Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. We have had an incredible run of just great guests. I mean, the things we have discussed and learned about have been absolutely incredible. Shout out to everybody who has come through and shared their time and their minds with us. Uh, We got a great response from folks about my sister's episode in regards to Palestine. I know right now that's a very hot button topic, and I'm really happy to just see a lot more people, including myself, educating ourselves and also being being, um, change agents to not only hopefully, you know, lead to the lead to the ending of the occupation of Palestine, but also in just challenging the rhetoric that says that if you are against the occupation of Palestine, that you are anti-Semitic, which is absolutely not the case at all. And I really want to make sure that it's very clear that that's understood because the truth of the matter is so many of us, particularly in Hollywood, are working alongside folks that, you know, are a part of the Jewish faith. And it's very important to me that my team members and the people that I work with, that they understand that like I 1000% support their religion and their right to live and exist in the world and in a safe way at the same time that I also think it's important to acknowledge that Palestinians also have a right to live and exist in the world in a safe way. So, you know, hoping that, um, folks who listened to that episode took some extra time to check out the script that uh, Netta had suggested in terms of books. And she also hit me up and asked me to give some more suggestions. She said the book, The Palestinian Table by Reen Cassis, Palestine on a Plate by Judy Kala, Palestine, the Special Edition by Joe Sacco, Speak Bird, Speak Again by Ibrahim Wahawi and Sharif Kanana, and The Butterfly's Burden by Mahmoud Darwish. So she wanted me to share those other books so that people can get their reference game on because, you know, we are all about references and research and information here at Small Doses. That being said... That extends to my new web series, Views from Mandaland. And I wanted to do an episode about Views from Mandaland because doing this project and creating this was very, very near and dear for me. And it was a very different process than I had employed in the past with anything else I had set forth on that was going to be like my little independent thing. First note right there, I got to stop calling my independent things Lil. So... Views from Mandaland is a web series that I began that launched last week on Instagram and YouTube. And it was an idea that I had had floating around that I knew I wanted to do some type of show that would be my version of a talk show and hosting. And I get people all the time, particularly since I left The Real, saying to me, Amanda, when are you going to get your own show? When are you going to get your own show? You need to be doing your own show. And it's like, that's easier said than done, particularly because I'm very particular about what I want to talk about when it comes to my own show. So let's get into our first segment, Amanda having her own show. 
So listen, here at Small Doses, like I really do get an opportunity to kind of say and talk about whatever I want, but it is a different medium to be, you know, specifically on the audio end of things. And even though sometimes we show the video component, it really is all about the audio. And that is its own skill, it's its own dopeness, it's its own space and genre. But when you're doing video, you're adding a whole nother element of things in. And so it has to be considered. And when it comes to like doing my own show here at Small Doses, we really want to make sure we're giving you like an audio feast. That's why like Brendan is going ham with the sounds and the vibes and the flavors. You know, that's why Rebecca and I are really like making sure we get the best guests possible. And whenever I do a solo episode that we're crafting it with all of these thoughts in mind to make sure that you guys are getting the best journey wherever you are listening to this and on your own journey. But when you're doing video, you just, you know, you, you're doing those things, but you're applying it in a different way. And so you do have to have a different level of consciousness about like, how are you going to keep people engaged? And I'm telling you, it's not always just cut and dry. And I think for someone who talks so much, right? Like people see me talk on Instagram, people hear me talk on this. You've heard my audiobook. You see me do interviews, et cetera, et cetera. You may think like, damn, I mean, like, how hard is it for you to come up with your own show? I mean, it's like you talk all the time and just do that. But I will tell you, the lesson I learned when I wrote my book is a similar lesson in coming up with what you want your own platform, your own format to be. And the truth of the matter is that when you're just like freestyle and you're talking off the cuff, there's a definite like freeness about that that doesn't exist once you decide that something is going to be in a formatted state. Now you have to think about like, okay. We have to be more precise. We have to be more conscious. We have to be more exacting. And you just can't be so free and willy-nilly. So when it came down to me figuring out, like, what type of show that I want to do, you also have to think about, like, well, what am I going to continuously want to talk about? What am I going to consistently want to do? Now, when this pandemic went down and then there were all the uprisings, like, I became a voice that people were reaching out to about having their own show simply by nature of the fact that, like, when it comes down to racial injustice, et cetera, like, I have always been somebody who talks very, very ardently and freely about that. And so I was getting approached by folks. I was getting approached by folks about having your own show. And everybody was coming to me with some type of show about politics. Listen, it's not to say that I don't want to ever talk about politics, but like, I just can't imagine hanging my hat on talking about politics all day. Because even if I'm not doing a daily 24-7 show, you're still thinking about what you're doing and you're still, you know, um, doing research and you're still ideating and working with your team. So like it ends up being the center of your universe. And I just was like, I do not want that to be the center of my universe. And people would come to me with ideas for shows that I just felt were not really unique. Like people are like, oh, you know, we want you on another panel show. I'm not doing another panel show. I did the real and that was enough. And it's not even say like, I'm not doing a panel show because I did the real and because that wasn't like a great experience. No, I'm not gonna do another panel show because I am my own ecosystem. I'm a panel, baby. I got like five hosts in this body. So it's like me doing a panel show ends up being like frustrating for me because I feel like I'm having to bite my tongue and I don't want to be rude to folks. I don't want to cut people off, but sometimes people say dumb shit and then you got to stop them. But then you can't do that because you want TV, but then they saying dumb shit on TV and you don't want them to do that neither. So it ends up just being a catch-22. And the best bet for that is just don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be on a show in a scenario where dumb shit is inevitably going to be said and you're going to have to cut people off. And guess what? I may say dumb shit. 
And I don't want nobody cutting me off. No. I would rather my producer go, cut. Let's do that again and let's correct it. (laughs) Okay. So you have to know yourself. As a creative, as a mindful person, you have to be conscious. And when you are creating something that is about your voice, in crafting that, you have to take all these things into consideration. Also, you can't lie to yourself about the fact that you are creating within a market. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're just like, I don't give a fuck about market. I'm just going to do some shit for myself. And this is going to be what it is. And I'm going to enjoy it. And Yeah, go ahead, Emily Dickinson. Do your thing. But I say Emily Dickinson because she was writing poems and she would stick them under her mattress and she really wasn't interested in who was going to read them. Well, guess what? I'm not sticking a show under my mattress. If I'm going to put the energy and time into it, I want people to watch it. And if I want people to watch it, I have to be conscious of the fact that I have to consider, well, what are people watching? What is the marketplace? So when I looked around at the marketplace and the other types of shows that were going on, I said, okay, where do you want this to go? Because that's the other thing that you have to consider. Where do you want this to actually go? Now, in some cases, you're like, I don't want it to go anywhere. I just want to do a web series. You know, I just want to do a fun web series that just kind of, you know, allows me to stretch my wings and, you know, work on my craft and, you know, just kind of get stuff off my chest and that's fine. But if you're in in the case where I'm at, you're like, no, I want to create a show that has the capability and the clear vision to be expanded into something for a bigger platform. I want to make sure, though, that I create it in my vision so that when it does get to that bigger platform, it's already been established what the vibe is. So. When it came to views from Mandalorian, I had to look at all of those aspects. When I looked around at like the landscape of things, I said, you know what's missing here is I feel like I really come from a place of not just like wit and humor and intellectualism, but of maturity, which I never would have thought I would have said because I feel like I look young for my age. And I also feel like, you know, I'm still a whipper snapper, but I am turning 40. And I think that that combination of turning 40, but still having a young vibe is something that, you know, is unique. And that also when you combine it though, with a desire to be sharing of wisdom, it is a unique thing that I feel like isn't really seen in the way that I would deliver it. Now, there are some dope sisters with shows right now, let me tell you. And all of their points of view are so unique. You got Z-Way on Showtime. Z-Way is giving you like, Gen Z, but like straight, no chaser, but kooky and just off the wall and smart and just really kind of like enigmatic in like the best way possible. And it's the whole thing is just very tongue in cheek. And I love the creativity that they give her at Showtime. I love that they basically just let her do whatever the fuck she wants to do. She was a writer at Jesus and Mero and she was an influencer and now she's doing her own shit. And that's just fabulous. And it's dope to see that she's getting to do that at such a young age. Then we got my homegirl, Sam J. Sam J over there on HBO Max. She's doing a show with our uh, showrunner from Insecure, Prentice Penny. He's also the director and writer of the uh, Netflix movie that we did a podcast episode on, which was Uncorked. So they're working together. Her show is called Pause. And basically the format of the show is that she'll like pick a theme, a topic, and then she'll be like in her house, in her apartment with her friends. And they're just like chit-chatting about it and kind of just like, 
in a form, like if you're at a party and you were all just like in different rooms, kind of having like water cooler talk or whatever. And then she'll supplement that with interviews with people that are related to that topic. Right. So there's still like this extra added element that takes you outside of that world and into a more um, conversational intellectual space. And so you can check that out. And you know, what I like about that show is that it feels so authentic to Sam. Sam J is a really good friend of mine. She was also one of my writers for BET awards. And, you know, she's somebody who has played a great, just a dope role in my life as a friend, but also as a comedian, she's been a master black spurt and done smart, funny and black hella times. She was on the first show ever of Smart Funny and Black in 2016 that we did behind a comic book store. It was her and a writer named Ben Corey Jones. And she won. Um, And so, you know, Sam is just like a a, a real like force in everything she does. And, you know, she has a unique perspective. Our perspectives on things are very much the same, but also very different because I feel like I'm very hardlined about things. She's very like, yo, like you don't gotta be that deep, chill. So she's giving you that perspective and you can check that out on HBO Max. Then you have Amber Ruffin. She has her show, The Amber Ruffin Show on NBC, on Peacock. And, you know, Amber was a writer at Seth Meyers and she's just really like honed her pen. And now she has her own talk show. And really it's kind of more buttoned up in terms of like it resembling like a Seth Meyers or Jimmy, not Jimmy Fallon so much, but definitely more of a Seth Meyers where she is giving a humorous, but very kind of straight line information take on like current events and things that are going on in the world in a global perspective. But what I love about it is that Amber has a very unique personality and that she's like very bubbly, but also like, you know, that there's something that like is bubbly, but it's like, is that lava? That's bubbly. <laughs> Cause you can tell that like she has that edge beneath the surface that comes from being a black woman who had to carve her way out through this entertainment space and let folks know that her voice needs to be heard and valued. And so, you know, what I like about her show is that you're going to get real information delivered in a real way, but she has her own unique quirkiness to it that cannot be duplicated. And so when you look at all these shows, you're like, wow, one, it's dope to see all these sisters with their own voices in their own space. Two, it's dope to see all of their spaces be so uniquely different from each other and that there isn't an attempt to like carbon copy. But three, what it also demonstrates is that there's room. There's so much room for so many voices. And I know particularly for black women, we have never felt like there was room for us to have different voices. It's always like there's only room for one voice. And for a long time, that one voice was Oprah. (laughs) So in looking at all that, I was like, you know what, Amanda? There's room for you too. And instead of, you know, trying to just kind of work something out and go pitch it to networks and hope that they give me a yes, I said, fuck it. I'm gonna just give myself a yes off top. And give myself a show. And thus, Views from Amanda Land was born. So now we got to get into the process. Because what happens is you have an idea. And we've talked about this before on Side Effects of Process. You have the idea. And then it's like, okay, how do you put the action behind it? So when it came to me like, okay, Amanda, there's space for you. It was like, well, what do you want to do with that space? So for me, I had to start looking at like, well, what am I already doing? And the two places that you come from are like, what am I already doing? Or what am I not doing that I want to do? And I last year had tried to do like sketches and stuff and people were just not fucking with it. (laughs) 
People were not interested in Amanda doing sketches, let me tell you. And I just knew that once we started doing sketches, people would be like, I am on it. Oh my God, Amanda, we've been missing this. And people did not give two fuckity fucks. And we were making these sketches and I was paying an editor and nobody was watching. And that is also like a very humbling thing too, right? And it makes you have to really be thoughtful because not just because you're like, I don't want to waste time, but you also got to know like... (laughs) Nobody's trying to like fail over and over again. (laughs) And I know they say like, there's no such thing as failure and it's lessons, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what I mean because the lessons are teaching you, okay, well, this is how you can tweak this for the next time you approach this. So one of the things that I feel like I do quite well is I'm really good at like advice and I'm good at coming up with common sense solutions to problems that are common problems and ooh, common sense solutions to common problems. I'm sure someone's already said that, but I'm saying it again. And so on Instagram, in my DMs, people are constantly asking me about things like constantly, constantly, constantly like, what do you think about this? Or what did you say about this? Or, you know, I'm going through this with my roommate, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, it's too much for me to like actually respond to everybody and, you know, sometimes to anybody. However, the the fact that people regard me in that way is not something I take lightly. I think that's like an honor for people to really trust me enough and be, cl- and even if it's not trust, but at least be curious enough about what my brain is doing that they would like to know. The other thing I really learned from this pandemic is that I love answering questions. Like I really like get a kick out of utilizing my brain in that way, like in a snap moment, you know, and just really having to just tap in. So I would be doing these like moderated um, talkbacks and appearances at schools over the course of the last year. And it was just so exhilarating to be met with a question that I, it's like a puzzle, you know, I feel like I'm like solving some type of like logic exercise. I know some people will be like, oh my God, Mandy, you're a freaking geek, but it really was like engaging and, 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 and uh, exhilarating to get to use my brain in that way. And when you find something like that, you know, for some people that's rock climbing, you know, for some people that's producing. And for me, it was like, yo, like this really makes me feel fulfilled and it doesn't make me feel drained. And that was like such a find that I was like, if I could create a format that allows me to do that, that just feels like it would be so enriching for not just like the folks who were asking questions, but also for me in contrast to something that's like in the political space, which is always kind of feels like draining at the end of the day, because it's so depressing. It is so wildly depressing to be continuously chained to talking about these, you know, mediocre white men that are by and large running the government that we're in into the ground. We are getting closer and closer to Gilead with every day under his eye. So that like was the first step of action. It's figuring out like, well, what is the actual action that you're going to do? Like you can have the bat, but how are you going to swing it? Or better yet, like you can throw the ball, but how are you going to throw it? Is it going to be a curveball? Is it going to be a fastball? Is it going to be a slow pitch? You know, all those things. And at this point in my career, I don't need to do a curveball. I don't need to like come out with some weird shit that's going to make people reimagine me or redefine my narrative. Nah, what I needed to come out with is something that I felt so true and authentic and genuine to that, you know, people... And not to say that you can't do that with something that is a curveball, but more so what I mean to say is that I felt like it was time for me to do something that just felt like an expanded version of 
the things that people have started to, and for a while have respected me for. And that has been for being authentic and true and genuine, no matter what space I'm in and no matter the topic. And so the beauty of creating this type of platform was that also it's like, there's no limitation. I'm not just talking about politics. I'm not just talking about relationships. I'm not just talking about pop culture. I'm talking about whatever y'all want me to talk about. And so then there's the democracy in that. Right. Because then it's like I get to connect with the audience and y'all feel like you have a stake in what's being said. And I think that's so important. And I want to commend you because you guys, the reason why these shows are getting put on television is because the audiences have been speaking and saying, like, we want this and they continue to watch. And when you all continue to watch things that shows up, those numbers show up and people who are sitting behind desks and don't know shit about the people read numbers. They don't read Instagrams. They don't read Twitters. They read numbers. And so you guys showing up is how those numbers happen. So by the way, when you guys watch Views from Amanda Land and you show people, yo, this is something we're watching, that's what's going to make networks be like, well, then shit, we need to grab this up. We need to grab this up. And that's how you're going to get an even better production because there's going to be money behind it that can support us elevating and continuing to still make some dope shit, but doing it without having to like strain ourselves. And we don't really, uh, you know what, let me take that back. Not strain ourselves, but being able to do it with like a multiple other people. And also that also gives us the opportunity to give other people jobs, (laughs) right? Because that's really what it's about. So when we came up with that, I was like, that's the format. I feel it. And then we were like, you know what? We can expand on that. You know, maybe, maybe it's not just Amanda asking questions. Ever so often, she'll have a character that will answer the question. Or I can bring in interviews. And I can call a friend. I can phone a friend to answer the question. Or, they, or do a sketch to answer the question. And so once we started really like doing all that, it was like, oh my goodness. This is an actual show format that we haven't seen before. And that's really hard to come by these days. And that also feels confident and comfortable. And that's when we said, you know what? Let's start taking a look at how do we really, really do this. But baby, we in a pandemic. So it's not like we're going to do it in a studio. And it's not like we're going to like get a whole staff. And that's when you got to look at who your team is. And so I was very, very fortunate to have put together over the course of the last year and a half, a team of people that really like trust my work and that are really very self-aware about their own work. And we have put together just a great space for making work and making ideas come to life and challenging each other and questioning and really just pursuing excellence in a way that doesn't like diminish somebody else by their ideas. That's hard to do, but we did it. We did it. And I really trust the people on my team. And one of the teammates that really helped put this together, it was the three of us. One of them is an intern who worked with us last year doing our Smart, Funny, and Black internship. And I asked her back to become our production assistant. And she has been incredible. So So shout shout out to Cindy and Taj because I put this project to them and was like, listen, this is something I want to do. And they have been so committed this whole time. Next segment, timing. So when I say they've been committed this whole time, notice I said this whole time. That's different for me because usually there ain't no time. I have a very, I think it's a bad habit of creating in a way where I'm like building the plane while I fly it. And in some situations that can be good because like sometimes you ain't got no choice but to do that. And it can help save you from, you know, kind of like being stuck at the bottom of the rubble. 
But in other scenarios, it's like you don't have to do that. So why put yourself through the stress of that, Amanda? And with this project, this was the first time that I really actively said, we're going to take our time. We're going to give ourselves time to do this right. And by doing it right, it means by not putting it out until we're completely, totally happy with the project and with the product. So we started by conceptualizing a production schedule. Y'all, I need you to know that I never do this, (laughs) but this is maturity And this is really just getting better at understanding that like I aspire to be in a more um, efficient, to operate in a more efficient fashion. And as a creative, I have never been that great with infrastructure and with order. I've been great about like efficiency, but more so with like my efficiency. But once you start working with people, that ain't gonna cut it. Just worrying about your efficiency is not efficient. You have to create efficient workflows and work with your team to discover efficient workflows that allow them to do their best work. And that's going to be about you being open to that and letting go of the reins and also having acuity about identifying like people's strengths. And that has been really important for me and something that I had to like give myself space to do. And thankfully I was able to do it because I feel like I've gotten to experience the best in the people I'm working with because they have leveled up and they've expanded and they've also just like helped me level up to expand. So when it came with this idea, I was like, okay, we're going to give ourselves time. We're going to put together a production schedule. And these are the things that I felt like were going to help us to just not feel like we're scrambling but to give us like framework to work in so that we are actually creating in a space that is um, being controlled by us. So it doesn't feel like it's closing in on us. And we came up with the idea for the show. And let me tell you, this show has gone through a couple of different iterations. Like at one point it was like, okay, maybe it's just like I'm holding the phone and it's kind of like my Instagram, but like in a more like organized fashion. Then we had like a whole format where it was like, let's just pretend like I'm just in the house and like the whole show, just like, it's all about it taking place in the house. And we had come up with this whole elaborate thing at one point. And then finally I was like, I woke up and I was like, um, we're not gonna be able to do that. And that's the other thing. And this is, this is something I know that I'm very good at knowing my limitations. (laughs) I'm like, Bitch, when you going, how you going, who, who's going, like, what, what, no, this might be a good idea for another time. But at this moment in January, 2021, um, you don't have the capability for someone to be following you around with the camera and to do all these like elaborate intros, et cetera, et cetera. And then it also was just like, do you even need that? Because a lot of times it's like we come up with all of this because that's what we've seen or that's what we think is like going to matter. But in the grain of things, like simplicity that is executed with a high level of efficiency can go such a long way. And so that's where I hung my hat and was like, you know what? We just need to keep it simple, stupid. So, you know, we have this cute little setup with these books and I got my boom box and I got my NPC. I got my yellow chair. I got my Nelson Mandela ANC flag fabric on the back of the chair. And it's a cute dope setup. So it's like, let's just use the cute dope setup. Then we also have a green screen and we got lights. And so we can go against that and do what we want to do with that. And I say, you know what? 
let's just keep it simple because we can give ourselves the opportunity to do what we want to do by first grounding ourselves in what we know that we can do and letting that be kind of like ground zero and building on that. And that, once we committed to that, everything just started to flow and to fall into place. And we started to shoot and we would come here and Cindy would be on Zoom because she's in another state at NYU and Taj would come over here, you know, we're vaccinated and we would have our masks on and, you know, we're testing and she would come over here and I would shoot and we would just like kind of just bounce back and forth. Like, was, was that a good one? Was that a good take? Let's try it again. Do we feel like we should have done that better? Do we feel like we left something out? And I really just appreciate them for always being honest with me. Always being honest with me. They will tell me straight up. That was not a good take. (laughs) They'll tell me straight up. No, I think you could have done that one better. Mm, I like the other one better. Oh, that seems just a bit harsh. You know, they'll just keep it a buck. And it's so, oh my God, like that's priceless. Because people will have you out here looking a fucking fool, y'all. Just because they don't want to, you know, confront or they don't want to disturb or they don't want to disrupt. And that's why you have to make it plain that that does not disturb, disrupt anything when they confront. And so that's been really dope. And it's also gotten me better at what I'm doing. And so we would just come up with different things. So like when we came up with bonus question, it was like, okay, we just want to have like another little kind of segment in the show that we can insert something else in that gives some information. You know, I love to give information history. So bonus question, we always do the bonus question attached to something that has like cultural meaning for black folks. So we might pull the bonus question out of a pimp cup. We might pull it out of a bonnet. We might pull it out of some J's. Like you never know. And that's just like this added little extra element that makes a mandolin Amanda land. So we have like those types of moments that are happening throughout the show. And that became possible because we had time. We had time because we would shoot. And then we were, while we were like talking about different things and I think I would get an idea, well, maybe we can do this. And then I would pitch it to them. They'd be like, okay, well, yeah, I can see how that works. So they'd be like, mm, it just seems like it's pushing it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm just telling you all about this because I know that so many folks out there are creating things from scratch and you get moments of doubt where you're just like, ooh, I don't know. And I had that same thing. We had gotten to a certain point with Views for a Mandolin where we had our first edit back and I was like, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. it. And it just felt like hacky. It felt cheesy. And Taj and Cindy were like, you know what? I think we've just watched it too many times. We just need to get some distance from it. They were like, I see it though. And I was like, really? Because I don't see it. They were like, no, I see it. So I was like, okay. So that was that. Also, I asked my man, do you know anybody who, who animates? And he sent me this guy, Andres Solar. Andres is out of Houston. Y'all, I had like one 10-minute phone conversation with Andres and he came up with the intro for Views from Amanda Land, which is so dope. It is so unique. It is so me. And I was just like, bro! Then he gave us 
the updated version of Bedtime Tea. And it's like, this is incredible. And I was like so excited too, because I had never like even allowed myself to kind of think that far out the box. And that's the thing I've been trying to do a lot better is like not just be DIY, but like, nah, there's other people who are dope at these things. Like if you can get affordable folks, like use it. And so he was affordable and I said, I'll take the leap. And I'm so happy about it. So shout to Andres because our animation for the intro and for bedtime tea is really just hella dope. And so that inspired me. And so like for our notification graphics, like I designed those and like bonus question, I designed those. And when it comes to the music, my boo did it. So my boo did the theme song for views from Amanda land. He did the theme music for bonus question. And then, um, by the way, he also did the music that you hear for the illustrious league ads and he and I, together as a team, did the music for the new bedtime team music. So that was also super dope, too. Because Can you hear that I'm smiling as I talk about it? That was also super dope, too, just because it was like, oh, like me and my boo could work together. And it's like fun. Yay. And everybody like when they boo is good at what they do. Okay, let's just keep it a buck. Don't nobody want to be with somebody who's just I at what they do. I had dated a nigga who was fine as fuck. We used to call him the finest of all time. Okay. But he called himself a producer. And when he sent me the beats that he was making, them shit sounded like rat a tat tat pop poo boom scoop that beep beepity babble woo. And just that quickly, he was no longer the finest of all time. (laughs) That shit made him very unattractive because he really thought he was coming with it, y'all. That man thought he was Salam Remy out here. He thought he was L.E.S. He thought he was Primo. He really thought he was just Blaze. He thought he was Timbo. He thought he was Swiss. He did. He did. He was not. He was not. And in case you're curious, no, I never slept with him again. Just so we're clear, never. Cause it was like, I can't because then if I sleep with you again, what I'm going to hear while we're smashing is beep, 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 Anyways, my booze beats don't sound like that. And that honey is how you know. Somebody got their shit with them. And so I was happy to also be able to share to share that with y'all. And just like, you know, but I hope what you're hearing is just like the way that collaboration came into making this project that I'm very proud of. But then comes bringing it all together. So it's like at this point now you've got the you've got the thought, then you've got the idea, then you've got the action. You know, you've got these elements. You've done it. You've shot it, but you still got to bring it all together. And in bringing it all together, we had an editor who came on, and he's super dope and super cool. But then, as this pandemic started, like kind of opening up he started getting work again. And so he didn't have time to edit anymore. And so it was like, well, what are we going to do? Do we want to find another editor? So my boo ends up watching and is like, why can't you just edit it? I'm like, I don't know, because I'm not a professional editor. And he was like, I've seen you edit though. You're a really good editor. And let me tell y'all, sometimes you just need somebody to tell you you good at something for you to admit to yourself that you good at it. 
I feel like I always have been someone who's editing because I can't afford for someone else to do it or because I don't have time to get it to someone else to do it. But in that moment, I I just kind of like, was like, really? And then I, (laughs) then I asked Taj and Cindy and they were like, yes, bitch, you're a great editor. And I'm like, what? And that just kind of switched something in my head. And it really made me just overnight rethink my relationship to editing. And in reality, though, it's like editing allows me to just kind of like take the canvas and just add all these other flavors to it while I'm in the mix of it. And even in the first episode of Views from Mandalorian, I'm telling that little John story. But while I was editing that, I was like, you know, what would be cool is if I didn't act out. And so I just like set up the green screen and set up the camera and film myself doing those little act outs with me and the Kangol. And I found my, my sidekick from 2005 <laughs> and I was just here in the house by myself and I filmed that and I threw that in. But now I feel like so much more compelled to like really level up my editing skills and take it more seriously. And I really wouldn't have done that without the encouragement of my team and my boo, because I just felt like I had really always kind of underplayed it. So when you're watching the Views from Manland episodes, know that you're watching like me exercising this skill in a new way. And it's really fun to get to do that with you guys and and take it up to another notch. I mean, I turned 40 on July 1st, so old broads can learn new skills and find a new passion, even in skills that they may not have really given themselves credit for knowing. So we put it all together and I still was like, "Mm, we're missing something. That's when bedtime tea came into the mix. And once we added in bedtime tea, I was like, oh, now we have a show. We have a show. And This first episode that aired last week was just really a dope thing for me to see happen because regardless of what happens from this, it was nice to just know that like we could still at this point in this time in our Earth's history, we could still come up with something that made us, you know, excited and happy to work on because it's just been a really uncertain and really dark time and you just can get burnt out and you feel like, you know what, I just don't even know like where I'm going to get inspiration so I'm just really excited about being able to share something new with y'all. And we're going to be doing Views from Mandolin every Tuesday. And then we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to launch our Patreon. And so that's going to be really exciting too, because, you know, the goal is always to figure out how to continue to stay independent, even when you have to work within this Hollywood monster. And so you guys being able to show your support of our show and the other content that we'll be providing on the Patreon for Smart Funny and Black Productions, will Smart Funny and Black Entertainment. Entertainment. Um, you know, that, that, that's something that, that means a lot to me. But in the meantime, in between time, make sure to check out Views from Amanda Land on IGTV and on YouTube, Smart, Funny, and Black, every Tuesday. We got to get our looks and views and likes up. You know, you got to comment. You know, we're playing with the algorithm right now. But it really is something that means so much to me. And the folks that have been a part of this process have done so with just their generosity, with their skills, with their time. And they really just allowed me to help steer this vision coming to fruition. And to see the comments from people of the first episode saying that they just were missing this, that this is something that they, you know, are getting so much from, that they're just really excited about it, that they're ready to tune in. That, like... It's such like a, I told you, we're not putting out the sketches. Folks didn't give a fuck. 
But to see the response that we've gotten from this first episode of Views from Manland and now the second, it really has given me a, an extra boost. And the biggest compliment that people can say is, this is exactly what you should be doing. Like that they watched it and they felt that I was fully in purpose. And that means so much. You know, when people can see you the way you see you, it means that you are definitely moving in purpose and intention. And this town can really steer you off course so often in that respect. So I'm so happy to be working with everybody and so happy to be sharing something new with you guys. And I'm also just very proud of myself for allowing myself to pace this process and to also be critical and to also challenge, but then also just embrace the goodness of the stuff that as it came to mind and be able to plop it in there and plug it and, and twist it and, and, and curate it until we found something that felt like it was masterful. So it's not a little web series. It's my web series views from Amanda land. So make sure to check it out. And as you know, like comment, share and subscribe. Scarpins Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.